0: Hi everyone. I hope uh you hear me well. Today morning I uh, when I woke up I just realized that uh I'm going to be the only thing on the way between you and your beer in the evening, right? And, <laughs> and actually that uh, uh that uh, that came true. So uh so I'm hoping to make uh, thanks for for joining. Uh, during that prime time, uh, evening time, uh, and I'm hoping to make uh, make it uh, enjoyable for you, so you can uh, so you can use that time best. Uh, what uh, what I'm going to talk about is uh, give you a little bit of insight of our experience uh, in the cloud. Uh, how did we make it through uh, our system in, uh, that is uh, map making and location based? and how did we move what we had uh, in the past, how did we move it to the the cloud, which was pretty uh, amazing experience for us, and what are the lessons learned from it. So to give you a little bit uh, background of of who we are, TomTom is uh, in location business for quite a while, and location is something that Surrounds us simply everywhere, right? So uh, you have uh, locations. Uh, it's uh, all about things that stay, that uh, that typically are there on the earth, but also locations are uh, about objects that move, and everything you, with the with the location and with the uh, uh, with uh, coordinates forms kind of a graph in the uh, in the entire world because all those objects. They are not just loosely coupled, right In the real life, we have objects that are tightly coupled, and they, ha- they form relations between each other. So you have, uh, for example, your roads that are connected to each other, or have you have your passengers in the taxis that are kind of connected via location, right because they, they are inside, they are. Uh, they, uh, they uh, drive uh, for a while with, with the taxi. Also, those connections between objects is, is not only about locations. Sometimes they are legally connected, right? So, uh, for example, the fact that I have uh, a sign that tells me uh, that there is a speed limit actually is a legal implication of what, uh, what is the uh, legal speed limit for the next couple of uh, uh, crossings, for example. So uh, you have to imagine that this forms quite a big uh, graph that is surrounding the Earth. And it, it is the complexity that we are dealing with. Uh, we have been in the business for quite a while. And we are uh, the, the way we are approaching the business is, is that we collect the data that have any correlation with uh, with the uh, with the data that we want to capture, and thanks to that, we have uh, already for for all those 25 years, we have collected uh, mud, a, a lot of uh, a lot of point data that uh, that is uh, that is there. So uh, you have uh, you have the data that uh, that is being logged via devices that uh, is being logged. Uh, the, uh, uh, w- when you move, but also we capture the data uh, from the special vehicles that, we, uh, that uh, run across the globe. These are called uh, mobile mapping, mapping vehicles. And uh, when uh, you would look inside our database, we actually, to till date, collected about 10 petabytes of data. So that's the volume that we have to deal with. That's the volume of the complexity that we have to deal with. Uh, and the data is growing, I would say, expo- exponentially. I wouldn't make a mistake if uh, I would judge that about 30% of the data that we have is, has been collected last 12 months. Right? So, uh, so maybe 30% is, uh, is a rough judgment, but this is, uh, this is the nature. We forecast that, that that data is going to grow and grow. Uh, and. Uh, and we have, we have to manage that on the, daily, on the daily level. After we collect the data, what, what happens is that we have to process it. We have to process it to create a meaningful information for our users, which, uh, as I said before, makes kind of a layered, connected information, right? So you, uh, in the information that, uh, that we deal with, we can identify a couple of layers, a couple of things that uh, uh, that are meaningful, such as uh, road network, that uh, obviously is, uh, is used for routing, such as uh, addressing, that is used for geocoding, so if you, if you type an address, you want to search for something, then uh, then you see uh, the results. Uh, of course, traffic signs uh, that uh, give you the uh, potential of, uh, of head- having a better navigation experience. Uh, things like POIs. Do you want to go to the restaurant? Do you want to go to the hotel uh, tomorrow? Uh, that, that, is, uh, that is used for, uh, for our search. Uh, and all that content is getting richer and richer. So we started with a uh, basic uh, basic road network. And as, as you see, uh, we are every year, every year, uh, every day, we are enriching our content with the new types of data. So not only the volume that we have to deal with, but also layers of information uh, that are new, that uh, are enriching your uh, map experience, your navigation experience, your location experience. Uh, tomorrow, uh, and, uh, and for the next uh, next best, best experience of, uh, of your map data, uh, we start to collect the ADAS information for the driving assistance, and uh, we are leaders in uh, in something that uh, that is called HD maps. So very highly precise maps that uh, is going to make it through for uh, automated driving in the future. So uh, as we speak, we are ready today for the future of the automated driving. So there's, uh, there's, that's pretty. Uh, pretty big, uh, big thing that, uh, that we are achieving. And all of that happens thanks to the fact that we master collection of the data, master uh, the, the source of information, and uh, we, process, we have to process this fast, smartly, to, uh, to get the meaningful information for our users. But that's uh, not the end of the story, because all of that information that is coming from, uh, from all different uh, sources to us uh, is passing through the next steps, right? Before it gets to your device, before it gets to, uh, to, uh, to, to your navigation system, before it gets to your phone, uh, it typically passes to either backend or to the device directly. And this is where we partner with, uh, with a lot of players around the world. So this is the extraction of... Uh, of probably probably in the most uh, known uh, players of the mar- on the market, but uh, we deal with uh, with many uh, receivers l- like that so uh, to go get back into what we actually do is we do nothing more than uh, we just collect the data we process it and we deliver it uh, either directly to the device either di- directly to your uh, uh, to your uh, search systems, or via the uh, partner networks for the other applications, and this is getting back to the uh, to the complexity, right, of the of the problem. So if you think about the, that single junction that I showed in the morning, in the, in the beginning of the uh, of the presentation, uh, multiplied by number of people in the world, multiplied by number of things in the world, and you will understand the, the complexity that, that we are dealing with. And all of those things are actually moving, right, typically, uh, and changing constantly. So you have to take that information, process it, and deliver it to the next uh, next in line. Uh, and that sounds very simple, but uh, to, get, uh, to get to the uh, to the Proper user experience is actually a pretty complex thing to do so uh, a while ago that was uh, around two thousand and fourteen uh, we actually saw saw the uh, the future of uh, of how uh, map making and how the location systems are going to be looking like and uh, we if you would look those days into what uh, what we are actually doing, typical collection of information, processing of information, and delivering of information, uh, was done in a kind of a stepwise approach. So, uh, so we have collected uh, a lot of data first, process it for then second, and deliver it in the batches. Right. So, typically, you had uh, a delivery of information every quarter. The processing of the information even last, lasted longer, and it was delivered uh, to the next in line either via internet, that was already a good thing, but typically on the CD, uh, right, or, or DVD, that was delivered to your car. And uh, we understood that this is not the future. This is not the future of the business. We had to somehow redefine ourselves. And uh, that demand for uh, for freshness and quality of the map continues... Uh, Data processing innovation that uh, that we had to do defined our next step challenge that we uh, that we uh, had to uh, to face that was to offer a real time information real time maps to the market so uh, the so the complexity that I showed you in the in the beginning is actually rising by quite a number of uh, uh, of big uh, big problems because you right now have to be reactive to any change that happens in the world, unlike previously that you collected majority of information, then you process it and then delivered. Right now, you have to react to any change of the, uh, uh, of the information in, uh, in outside world and pass it through as a single transaction to the end user device and this, uh, this actually brings entire complexity because. The sources that we collect have a nature of the, uh, of uh, of being imprecise or inaccurate, right? So uh, there is no single source in the world that is both precise and accurate when it comes to uh, information about uh, uh, about about the map, right? So it either can be uh, not accurate in time, in uh, in uh, in uh, in XY coordinates. And uh, what you have to do is when you process that source, you actually have to verify it. You have to multiple times verify it against multiple rules in, this, in the uh, map making system. So your map is still consistent with the, with the actual world, right? So the fact that uh, there is uh, uh, the, the single probe of data that uh, that gives you a trace on the on the GPS device can be a GPS error by itself, so you cannot conclude from single signal about uh, any change uh, in the world. You have to verify it against multiple sources, against multiple uh, combination of uh, of the sources. So uh, and that brings when we had to redefine ourselves that brought a lot of uh, uncertainty to us, right? Because you. Try to deal with the change of the system, move your quality uh, up the stack, and and uh, you have to deal with it uh, with the uh, with the partial information. When you when you want to decide about migrating from uh, from one system to another, you actually don't have enough information to understand how the system will behave in the new uh, in the new world. So. Uh, and this is where we thought. Actually, if we have, you know, so much uncertainty uh, in the decision-making process, this would be fantastic, fantastically fitting to the cloud, right? Because we heard that uh, the cloud is actually making you flexible. You can uh, uh, you can uh, get your hardware on demand. You can uh, you can uh, deal with it, right? So that was kind of a thought uh, that that we had, but. Uh, The problem was that uh, we actually had to do both things. First of all, we had to migrate our system from the old-school one that was uh, delivery every quarter, every quarter uh, new information to the devices. Uh, This is something that we call the batch map map making system. Uh, We had to move it to the new system that is is ready for uh, delivering real-time maps. And in the same time, you had a challenge on-premise versus the cloud. How do I deal with it? Do I, do I put the system on-premise? Do I have enough information? Or uh, do I move it to the cloud? Normally, you would, uh, in the typical decision-making process, you would kind of sequence things, right? But this is, this is not what we did. We, based on our early adoption of the cloud, Uh, based on the old experiments that we we have been doing during during migration uh, between the batch and uh, real-time map-making systems, the uh, information was good enough to actually understand that we should try to migrate in parallel. So we both wanted to deal with the complexity of migrating from old-school system to the new era, and migrating in the same time time from on-premise to the cloud, which which even further increased our complexity, but uh, you're going to learn later on that actually was a uh, a saver. That decision was a saver. Uh, So once we made that decision, uh, we started to migrate their workloads from old system to the new one, uh, while o- obviously doing it uh, all the time, right? So uh, uh, we, the system obviously wasn't ready for all the use cases that, uh, that it had to deal with. And we started to m- measure. We started to slowly migrate it, because from one hand, you want to uh, go through as quickly as possible, but from the other hand, uh, this is the living system, and this is quite complex because it has this uh, uh, 10 uh, 10 petabytes of, of data inside, and you have to continuously deliver the information to the end users, right? So, uh, despite of the fact that uh, that you have a new new idea, a new new, uh, new new system that uh, starts to work, you see that it starts to work, uh, you have to still continuously deliver the the, the product, so your, your map has to be up to date all the time, and uh, So we approached that project, which was uh, migrating uh, all of those uh, databases, all of those uh, systems. We approached that project in the longer uh, period of time. So as you can see, uh, it is is starting in January 2016. And the the data that you see is up to September this year. And uh, what I wanted to share with you is um, try to identify in that entire project that uh, was held by about 300 engineers uh, across the uh, across the globe in TomTom that involved uh, that impacted about 3,000 people in our internal production of the of the map. I tried to show you here a couple of phases that are, that have been essential to what we actually achieved. So we, and I'm going to show you that in the, in the context of a uh, couple of KPIs. So first of all, how much the new system can produce, which is, uh, we it in m- number of map changes that, uh, that pass through the system uh, to the end user. And uh, second, obviously, the most interesting uh, as well is the cost. Right, because when you think about migrating from on-premise to the uh, uh, to the cloud, is typically the question about pr- productivity, right? Which cost is one of the major factors in it. Uh, so I'm going to show that uh, in context of the of number of uh, changes, cost, but also productivity, which would be uh, the cost per change. And uh, you later going to see that you kind of, in that data, you see three phases that I uh, named early migration, scaling, and optimizing. And different effects, both in the system, in the technical system, but also in the team, in the entire behavior of the company, uh, happen in different phases of that, uh, uh, of that migration. So, uh, so you see the early migration, scaling, and optimizing. And, uh, as you can see, the number of map changes that were passing through, uh, through the new system is growing here, right? But this, uh, is both a result of the fact that the the workload was, uh, migrated, but also the, the fact that, uh, the system wasn't that, that ready. Because when you, develop a new system, it is typically never ready. So it's, so it's, uh, it's quite a challenge to, uh, to replace uh, such systems on, on the fly. And uh, so this is, uh, this is number of, uh, of changes that are passing through the system. The second thing, the second KPI, uh, is the hardware cost. And you see another effect. That first of all, when you start to migrate, you start to migrate the workloads into uh, into the cloud. Your uh, your scale is growing. Your uh, your system is uh, uh, is picking up more and more workloads. But what you see in the end also is that the hardware cost is dropping. And this is uh, this was a surprising surprising thing for, thing for us because what you saw in the previous uh, uh, what you see in the previous uh, slide was that number of changes is growing, but the cost is coming down. So why is that? You're going to see, uh, I'm going to talk it through uh, uh, in a couple of minutes. And, uh, and the same view, uh, which is uh, your productivity, your product- typical uh, productivity figure, which is uh, dividing the cost by number of changes uh, that you do. And you see a couple of patterns there as well. So, uh, so in your early uh, migration phase, the cost uh, seems to be pretty high and it was in, in fact in our case it was it was not acceptable uh, and uh, we had to somehow deal with it during the scaling during all the migrations and uh, further optimizing the system all right so uh, if we zoom in to the early migration phase what uh, what happened uh, in that time is that uh, so this, this is uh, starting in January and finishing around June. The team is, in the beginning, is quite enthusiastic about the change. So we are migrating uh, both uh, the workload to the new system and also uh, to the cloud. And uh, w- what we see is that the performance of the cloud, unlike uh, some of us thought, was actually better uh, than, uh, than our own on-premise which is which is counterintuitive because the on-premise is you know physical hardware and you would expect uh, uh physical hardware to behave uh, a little a little bit better than uh, than the virtual machines but uh, that what actually happened right that uh, our on-premise uh infrastructure was less performing than uh AWS cloud uh and uh what uh, we saw that thanks to that is the responsiveness of overall system was much higher on the cloud. And, however, if you look at the uh, at the June figures and the, and the uh, early adoption, early migration figures, what we got in the end of the of, of the uh, of that phase is that we really had, have understood that the cost of the of the hardware. On, uh, on the cloud was actually not what we wanted to uh, to have. Right? It was pretty high given the workload that uh, was still not 100%. Uh, the cost was uh, pretty unacceptable, uh, and uh, I cannot disclose the figures. What was the uh, on X uh, on the uh, on the y-axis? Uh, because that 's uh, this proprietary information, but I can tell you that this is not thousand euros this is uh, not thousand dollars these are these are this is counted in millions million dollars right uh, and uh, so the impact was pretty high impact on uh, on our uh, budget on our uh, on our uh, understanding. Uh, of the uh, of the business figures was pretty high, and uh, it was uh, in that moment we are pretty down as a team. Uh, we had uh, multiple sessions about what do we do now, what uh, what should we expect. We know we migrated uh, 80% of the uh, workload to the cloud, but it seems we are not getting there. What's going on? What's uh, what's happening? Uh, however, what uh, what we also understood is that the benefits of the new system itself is so high that we just want to continue, right? Because if you, uh, if you just take into account the cost, it would be probably the canceled project, right? But the, the benefits of, uh, of uh, having new system uh, set up that uh, gives uh, the new user value, which, uh, which enables the information to pass through the system instantly instead of uh, quarterly, uh, benefits are so high that we decided to continue after that phase, right? And uh, that, that was quite essential as well, that you, in such case, when you migrate both things, where you redefine yourself, and uh, in the same time, uh, you, um, uh, you migrate to the cloud, this is the moment where, uh, where, where you take both things into, into account, and you make the decision about the productivity, not about uh, the cost itself. And this is uh, after we made that decision. What uh, what happened is uh, that we entered uh, the scaling phase, and in that phase, in the beginning, we actually compensated the workload, the remaining lo- workload, with uh, adding extra hardware. So, uh, so we understood that the benefit of the uh, of the new system is uh, is is high, and that uh, we want to risk for a while, the cost that, uh, that uh, new workloads are, uh, uh, are, uh, are giving us to make sure that we continue, to make sure that we stay on the path. And this is uh, in the end of the scaling phase. Uh, we actually saw that our on-premise infrastructure would never make it. So the workloads coming from such complex systems, such, uh, such number of uh, uh, of, uh, of bytes to process, uh, we would never make it in our uh, on-premise infrastructure. These are the figures that, uh, of the traffic that uh, that we saw passing through the system. So you can see that uh, the external traffic coming from the system, from the map-making system to the outside world, was about 40 gigabits per second. And... Uh, the internal traffic, so all the communication of inside the system, was, uh, was even greater. was uh, at, at around 200 gigabits per second. So, pretty big thing that uh, actually not many on-premise, in, on-premise infrastructure can deal with. Uh, so, uh, what we did during the, the scaling phase, after we realized it, we made the decision, final decision, to make full w- workload, uh, move to, and move it to the cloud. What uh, we did experience during the uh, scaling phase was also the fantastic flexibility that uh, cloud was giving us. Because during those uh, couple of months, based on the workloads that we, that we saw, based on the nature and characteristics, we were able to completely Exchange for uh, families of the hardware. So we, uh, in the beginning, uh, I remember uh, we took uh, uh, we, we we took uh, i2 uh, instances that uh, were available those days. But uh, when we uh, finally scaled, we actually were able to uh, convert it to fully to i3s, which uh, gave another user experience for the for the ones uh, for the workloads that uh, that. Uh, are uh, making uh, our map system uh, in the uh, in the cloud. What uh, what also happens inside the team, in those uh, early phases and the uh, and uh, in the scaling phases is that the teams are thanks to the fact that you actually deal and daily on daily level you start to uh, understand and try to control the costs, the team that was previously divided into typical dev, develop uh, and uh, operational uh, mode turns smoothly into the DevOps. So just by the fact that we have been dealing with the costs on daily level, our teams uh, develop a culture that uh, turned them to, be, to become a true DevOps. And uh, in that phase, in the scaling phase, the, uh, the teams start to get some cost con- control. So in the beginning of the migration, they were, uh, I would say, uh, we were uh, lacking control when it comes to, uh, to the cost uh, of the workload. But uh, in the scaling phase, what you see in the team, what is happening is that they start to get in control. And uh, the, last, the last phase is a typical optimization phase that uh, is just kind of a post-process that, uh, that, uh, that happens, that starts somewhere in the middle of, uh, of the scaling system and uh, continues all the way. It will continue, probably, uh, uh, until, uh, uh, until ever, right? Because you will always want to optimize. But uh, what, uh, there's an important lesson learned after optimizing. Because what you see is how much we could optimize. So if you look at our overall cost uh, per, uh, per workload, per change, is, uh, we have been able to optimize by about eight times. So from the initial migration to finally going uh, and optimizing fully the system, we have been able to uh, to achieve uh, so good cost predictability that it, uh, it uh, really was driving the, uh, the cost down. Now now that we know all, that, uh, all the data, now that we all know that history, uh, we actually can tell what would be happening if we would stay on premise. Right? Because if, if you know what was your workload, if you know what, you, what was your co- cost, if you know all the data right now, you can actually judge what would be happening if you wouldn't migrate to the cloud. And that's the reason uh, why, in the beginning, I said it was, uh, it was our, uh, our main uh, saver uh, of, uh, of, of the migration, of the map-making system. Because you, you actually, when you, when you think you are on-premise, you have couple of, only a couple of options. you are not so much flexible uh, as uh, as you are on uh, on the cloud so you when you pass the early migration phase you you see the data that you see. you see only the data until uh, uh, until June right in the from January to June, and you g- go into the point where you are about to make a decision and you have a couple of decisions to do. You either are going to decide that you're going to go all the way. You're going to scale the system and optimize it. But to do that, you actually on-premise. You have to buy the hardware upfront, right? So if you would buy the hardware upfront to the on-premise infrastructure, what would be happening, knowing now that uh, we have been able to optimize that much, what would be happening is that you would end up with uh, about—I calculated that—with about four times higher cost of the system than uh, you ended up in the uh, in AWS. And uh, not only that, because of the uh, of the fact that uh, AWS stands out uh, better than uh, on-premise infrastructure, your productivity of the system uh, when it comes to uh, uh, when it comes to the time to market uh, of the changes would, uh, would be reduced compared to the, to the uh, on-premise, because the hardware is simply slower, so not the, the changes are passing, uh, pa- passing slower. Uh, you wouldn't be also, if you are going to, would be making decision about uh, buying the hardware on-premise in that moment of time, you actually, you would have one chance to choose the right hardware right, then uh, if you, and if you would choose the, the wrong one, you would actually live, it, live with it forever. The second thing that uh, might have happened after early migration, we might have said to ourselves that, all right, that was a good idea with all that, all that uh, real-time map-making system, but it is co- too costly, and we're gonna cancel the project. That what would uh, potentially be happening with the, uh, with the decision. And then, of course, you always have an option to kind of try to be flexible on the on-premise, right? And, uh, but for the on-premise infrastructure, it means that you have to take baby little steps. So you make a decision about scaling, optimizing, scaling, optimizing, and trying to buy new hardware while you go. But that, obviously, if you, uh, if you buy new hardware, it takes a while. Uh, it takes a while before you uh, you make a decision to buy, and the time that the hardware is delivered. So you would actually have little waiting periods in between, and that what would ha- what would uh, happen with that is that your system, in in that case, uh, in, in that case, uh, based on the data that we see, would uh, reach the market two times. Uh, two times slower. So we would probably be still in the middle of migration of that system. Uh, and, of course, the same uh, on-premise means uh, reduced productivity. And this, is, this was from the uh, decision-making perspective. However, of course, what happens when you migrate to the cloud is, uh, is that you see reaction of your team. Reaction to that, right? To, to the uh, to the change that uh, uh, that we experience, and this uh, I ask around uh, from our team right before that session. Uh, I ask around, what do they think about uh, the experience of the cloud, and uh, what do they think if we would be staying on premise? What do they what would they lose, and what do they gain with, the, with staying with AWS? Uh, and these are this is the voice of the team. So you see that uh, they say uh, we are more productive, more flexible, That's, we can test the scale, which is, for us, it's uh, quite essential, uh, given the data sizes that we have. Uh, we have better hardware fast, right? And, uh, uh, and our costs are not fixed. So you can uh, delay your decisions. You can, uh, uh, you can uh, try to understand as, uh, as you go what would happen with the, uh, with the, with the system. Now, what, uh, what did it uh, mean to our business? So, in the beginning, I told you that uh, our... Uh, and all, all, the, uh, all the market was like that before. Uh, our data freshness, so our uh, map, uh, map freshness, uh, was counted in, uh, in months, right? So, you see, what you see on the chart is uh, that our delivery in 2015 between the change that was happening in real world and when the data actually made it to, to the device uh, was uh, about 150 days. So 150 days, uh, if somebody made uh, some city made a decision to change the traffic rules, it was 150 days that uh, our customers were suffering right, from, uh, from that change to not be, uh, uh, not be noticing the data. Uh, and uh, what you see is uh, the chart, while migrating, how the system was, uh, was card- targeting that need. So today, uh, we already uh, deliver the information weekly. So uh, compared to 150 days before, it's uh, right now it's seven days. And the only reason why we do that is that we keep a buffer, a safety net still in the system. So it's not the full system capability, but we, uh, we still uh, have a safety net when it comes to our uh, quality system to keep a little bit of the buffer, observe the system for a while, for a longer while. Uh, so far, it doesn't give us uh, uh, really any surprises. So, what we know is that next years we are going to be targeting uh, real-time maps. And... Uh, the... Uh, thanks to the fact that we have decided to migrate the system and the infrastructure, that uh, what, what happens is that it made us really, really far ahead uh, against the con- well-known competition. And uh, this, uh, this also, because we, we have to deliver uh, to the customer, we are ahead of the market needs, thanks to that. And uh, we actually right now are helping helping our customers to get uh, ready to uh, uh, for our fresh data. And of course, operational re- results is uh, that uh, we are more productive than on premise, uh, and we are more productive than on the old system. What uh, what will it give uh, for uh, for the customers of TomTom Tom in the future is that the uh, That system is capable right now to target really advanced needs of the future. So if you think about uh, autonomous driving, the map that stays in, uh, that, that is delivered to the autonomous vehicle has to be really accurate and really fresh. So it's not only accurate about position, XY coordinates, but also in time, you have to detect the change and pass it to the vehicle very fast because it's about safety. And safety is very valuable, uh, valuable thing. Uh, it's also enabling other uh, uh, other use cases like smart cities, right? The information, if if in smart city the information uh, would go from the city to the citizen in 150 days, that wouldn't be really smart, right? So, uh, so that's. Uh, that, that these are the expected benefits that we see on the, on the products that we are, uh, that we are making. Uh, the upcoming future with, uh, uh, with this information processing uh, moving forward is uh, that we are going to see and we are going to, to see the trends with the data size growth uh, and that will come... Uh, uh, that, that will come year by year. Uh, we don't see a limit to it. But what we're going to see is that the useful information is actually going to be a fractional part of the, of the data that we collect. So today is already, uh, when, I, when we compare the number of uh, bytes that we collect versus the number of bytes that are in the map, is already a ratio between uh, uh, 1 to 200. Right, so it's to so collect way more information upfront, way more data to come up with the map that can be fitted to the device. And we expect that ratio to actually be growing because the number of connected devices, the number of noise that is going to be generated by that, uh, uh, these devices, they will co- contain obviously a very useful information, very fresh information, but it's also going to be noisy. So, uh, so what we uh, are forecasting is that uh, that information is going, the number of information growing is going to start to reach physical limits and we will have to switch to full uh, incremental processing of our data. So it's, so it's not only collect on collecting the, all the data that we're going to have and processing it, but also filtering it uh, and, uh, upstream and downstream uh, in the uh, map making chain. And uh, the technical consequences of those uh, couple of things is that we expect to further innovate on our, uh, on our uh, data processing uh, capabilities. But that would mean that we will have to go, like we migrated to the, to the cloud to the typical compute uh, uh, EC2 uh, devices, we are going to go up the stack. Why? Because we have to keep up with the pace of innovating. So, uh, so we already start to uh, experiment with the things like Kinesis and other serverless things that will help us to catch up with the gro- growth of information and the noise that we'll have to process. So we can just focus on our business and, uh, and let uh, the cloud providers deal with the, with the problems. So uh, just, just to conclude about uh, what are the lessons learned from what, uh, what we see. Remember, uh, I told you in the beginning that we have been making a kind of a choice between uh, migrating to the cloud and migrating to the new system. And uh, if you are ever making such a choice, so if you, if you think that you have to do things in sequence, that's not necessarily always true. Sometimes you just have to deal with the complexity and, uh, and try, to, uh, try to manage it. Because the benefits uh, from going to the cloud, especially when you uh, have uncertainty, li- like we had during, mi- during migration of the old system, the benefits of, of the cloud are probably higher in such case than typical migration benefits. Right, because you you have so much uncertainty in the in the new system that the cloud allows you to deal with that uh, problem way better, uh, and this is uh, this is what we did. We also the lessons learned from from it is that it can take you quite a while when you migrate or create a new system to actually come up with the final optimization. So. Uh, so we saw those charts that we actually went all, all the way, right? All the way, uh, uh, reaching the, the the sky limits uh, of the costs. Uh, and that might happen while you're migrating. That might happen, like it happened to us. It might happen, but you just in in the moment of uh, of analyzing the data, you have to try to judge whether you know is it really about uh, the cost? Is it really uh, is it really going to be like that or is it you know my system is not optimized yet, right? And uh, and you saw how much optimization of the system can can give you. And it was a mix of different things like just better code, a couple of bugs in the code uh, that we had to find. A couple, of course, I'm <laughs> I'm exaggerating. It was uh, it was more uh, uh, and also not optimal uh, not optimal code, but also use, use understanding how to use. Uh, ready-to-use tools like uh, auto-scaling in AWS, right, as well. It takes you quite a while to, uh, to learn it. So, uh, so that's, uh, that's our lessons learned, and um, I, hope, uh, I hope you enjoyed the session, and uh, if uh, you are about uh, to make your decisions like that, try to uh, learn from us and, uh, and, uh, and take, uh, take this uh, home. Right, thank you very much.